about the covenant of works. It was the first covenant, the covenant made with that. You obey. All right, what do you obey? You obey this law that I've given to you. And you obey, you'll have life. And all those following from you will have life. So God gave to Adam a law as a covenant of works and gave him the power and ability to keep it. Uh, you see there um, at the end of 19.1, the power and ability to keep it, the free will. And in that free will, he had from the beginning the ability to choose right or wrong. All right? That's that power and ability. When God created Adam, he obviously created him in his image, as we know. And so with that, um, he had that power and ability to do what was right. Uh, so we, we have that. If you look at the shorter catechism, the larger catechism, question five, which is the bottom of page 372, what do the scriptures principally teach? And we'll tie all this together. But the scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. What duty God requires of man. That's what the scriptures principally teach. The duty. Now, if you stop and think about it, when we talk about the duty God requires of man, we're talking about the same thing that God gave Adam at the beginning. He said, now here's what you are to do. Here are the duties I am imposing upon you. All right? From the very beginning, there were duties. There was law. All right? There was law. This covenant of works. You had to do certain things if you were going to be in favor with God, if you were going to live. Because we know the penalty for disobedience that God told Adam is the day you disobey, you will what? You'll die. You'll die. And we talked about that before. So, again, I don't want to review all that. But uh, I do, again, want to kind of set the tone for, for where we're going when we get back into our quest in our commandments. And then on page 374... To tie in what I kind of just said, what did God at first reveal unto man as the rule of his obedience? And the answer was the moral law, right? Moral law. So keep that in mind. That was the rule of obedience was this moral law. That which was what? Written in the heart of man. It was implanted. God infused it, if I can put it that way, into Adam. He gave him that knowledge and understanding at the outset in creation. All right? And Adam knew. Understood. God told him, you got to obey. And it, the, the rule of obedience, the moral law. So that leads us to the next question, which is on page 375. What is the moral law? Now, this is important, right? The moral law is the declaration of the will of God to mankind, directing and binding everyone to personal, perfect, 
and perpetual conformity and obedience thereunto. In the frame and disposition of the whole man, soul and body, and in performance of all those duties of holiness and righteousness which he oweth to God, and, and keep that in mind, first four commandments. The duty he oweth to God and man, the last six commandments, when we get there. Promising life upon the fulfilling and threatening death upon the breach of it. So, in effect, the moral law covers everything you will ever do, everything you will ever think, say, do, whatever it is. That's what that answer basically says. There is this requirement in all, everything you do in life that God's given, governs everything, the whole kit and caboodle, right? So we've got this moral law. So then what happens? Well, in 19.2 on page 376, this law, that is the moral law, after his fall, continued to be a perfect rule of righteousness. Right? Continued to be a perfect rule of righteousness and as such was delivered by God upon Mount Sinai in Ten Commandments. Right? So the moral law continued after the fall. Question. The moral law, the covenant of works, the moral law, which was the basis for the covenant of works, right? Covenant of works, does it still exist? Yes? Okay. Good. Certainly. The book of Galatians deals with that. You want to obey the law? Fine. You'll be judged by the law. But keep in mind, that law requires perfect, we just read it, perfect obedience. Perfect obedience. We also have, obviously, thankfully, the covenant of grace. And we'll get to that. But this moral law still continues for the unsaved as that by which they will be judged. You disobey, you die eternally. We all die physically because Adam disobeyed. You disobey and you are judged by that law, you will die eternally. For the saved, for the saved, is there judgment under the moral law? For the saved, the end as to the determination of eternal life or eternal death, is there judgment, is there the requirement of obedience for the saved? Kind of a trick question, but what do you think? I didn't mean it to be a trick question, but what do you think? Yes, okay, yes, but what? Certainly. What we're going to be considering this morning. Christ fulfilled what? 
the law. What law? The moral law. Exactly what we're talking about, the requirement of you and me, that was the requirement. When we think about Christ and his perfect obedience, right, that was what was required of Adam. But Adam failed. Christ, the second Adam, did not fail. And we've commented, perfectly obeyed, not one thought ever crossed his mind that was wrong. No blemish. None. The type of the lamb without spot and without blemish, the Old Testament, that's Christ. No, not, not a spot. Not the least blemish at all. And what are we talking about? Where would that blemish or that spot have come from? Failure to keep the moral law perfectly in his life. All right? So the moral law continues, covers everything in life to today. Now, if you go over to 19.5, which is on page 382, and again, uh, what we've kind of been talking about, the moral law doth forever bind all, doth forever. The moral law is such will be a standard of heaven. Just perfectly fulfilled there. We talk about heaven on earth, you know, the times of heaven on earth in the home, in the church, whatever, wherever. How do you get there? What creates that? Fulfilling, keeping the moral law. That's how you wind up with heaven on earth, keeping the moral law. All right. And then in 19.6 on page 384, and again, we've, we've been through these paragraphs. That's why I'm not spending more time, obviously, now on them. And then we have the benefit to believers. The benefit to believers. Although true believers be not under the law, as a covenant of works. Don't stop it. Be not under the law. They're not under the law. We're not under the law. As a covenant of works. To be thereby justified or condemned. What we were just talking about. Yet. Alright. Is it of great use to them. As well as to others. And it goes through. You can read it there. And basically. I, I summarize them, and, and you can see them there. Some of them are just the words they use. The rule of life, how you're to live. Totally. Rule of life. This life, how you're to live. To restrain the evil of our heart. To restrain the evil of our heart. We, we're not free to sin. Right? And that law helps to control as we understand it. That law helps to control. 
It reveals sin. In revealing sin, obviously, initially, it takes us to our need of a Savior. It takes us to our need of a Savior. And then it aids us. And for the believer, we've, we've experienced the initial benefit of the law in coming to the Savior, realizing we're sinners. Then once saved, it becomes that means of sanctification. All right? What do we need to do now to die more and more to sin and live more and more to righteousness? We know, study, understand, and apply the law, the moral law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, you've got the first part where it, 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 you know, it's condemning, but it's also, you know, if, if we hadn't had the law, would Scripture tell us? Would Paul say, how, how would I have known sin? How do I know what's wrong if God hadn't revealed this law? So the law then brings us, it's that teacher it teaches us of our sinfulness and our need of the Savior bringing us to Christ for justification. And then we're back to where, basically, where Adam was. What do the scriptures principally teach? What man is to believe concerning God and what? What duties God requires of man? Fulfilling those duties is basically the work of sanctification. All right? Good. All right. And then it, the, it tells us of the rewards for obedience. The rewards for obedience. You stop and think. If you do these things, you know you're my children. You know you're loved by the Father. Right? If you do these things, and you can think of verse after verse, where we're told if you will... Do you don't have because you don't pray? Obviously, what's the other side of that? You do have because you pray. Why did you pray? Because God's word says pray. You obey. Right? So again, you can fill that out as you have time to meditate on it. And then it helps us to understand, to regard the Savior, to appreciate what we were talking about, his perfect obedience, his perfect obedience. Uh, so it, it gives us a greater appreciation. Now, and, and I hope that as you consider that, it gives you a greater appreciation for what was placed upon him on the cross for all the failures, right? As we consider the law, and you start, whoa, man, I, I, I missed it here, I missed it here. I, 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 didn't, I didn't do exactly the way I should have here. Every time that thought crosses your mind, that's more of God's wrath placed on Christ. Right? 
because Christ paid the penalty in his body on the cross for all your sin. All of it. So every failure, every sin, that's more of why when we come and remember, hopefully, it smites our heart and makes us love and appreciate Christ that much more because he paid that penalty for every failure of ours to completely obey and keep the moral law. Right? We're not under law, but we are, just as we talked about. Tim, it's a staggering thought, isn't it? It's not just your sin and my sin. All of his people. Mm-hmm. All the generations. You know, when, when he prayed to the Father on the cross, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. I mean, I, it's just, I'm, the thought of it staggered me. And then you, you come back, as the song says, you know, in essence, why, why was I, why was I brought in? Why, why did I hear the Savior's voice? When so many don't. Helps you to, again, appreciate just how great the love and grace of God is. Any other questions? Okay. Obadiah's wanting to talk. Maybe Obadiah was being moved early on. All right. Um, question 95 on page 389 of what use is the moral law to all men? So we've got this benefit. We've talked about some of them. The moral laws of use to all men to inform them of the holy nature and will of God and of their duty, binding them to walk accordingly, to convince them, to humble them, to help them. You may want to mark those and note those. To convince them, to humble them, to help them. In 90. Seven on page 391, what special use is there of the moral law to the regenerate? So to us as believers, uh, we are delivered from the moral laws, it notes, as a covenant of works, so as thereby we are not justified nor condemned, that is in Christ, but there are benefits uh, to help us, to provoke us more to thankfulness, to be careful, to know what it is God expects of us. Right? Now, if you looked at page 378, I won't ask you to flip back there because I think you probably know this answer, but where is the moral law summarily comprehended? That's one of the questions. Question 98 of the larger catechism. Where is the moral law summarily comprehended? In the, in the Ten Commandments. All right? 
Who did the summary? Sure. God did. And we're going to look at that here next. All right? So if you'll take your Bibles, because, again, I'm, I'm just wanting to go back and, and kind of set some of the context. Take your Bible, turn to Deuteronomy. And again, some of these passages will be familiar to you, but I want to take a minute and look at them. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Now, in chapter 5, we, uh, we're, we're rehearsing uh, certain things here. Moses is, and in, at the beginning, Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep and do them. And he goes on uh, to, to tie that to the covenant. Uh, and then at verse 6, he picks up with what? Now he's telling them what they need to, to do and obey. And he picks up in verse 6 with the Ten Commandments. All right? And I'm not going to take time to, uh, to read through those, but through verse 21, he's going through and rehearsing these commandments, what God requires of them uh, that they are to do as his people. Remember, we're talking, Moses talking to the children of Israel, God's chosen people. God's chosen people. You and I, as believers, are God's chosen people. Right? And we'll tie all this together. And if you look in verse 29 of that chapter, chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, and this is, uh, in essence, God saying to them, Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me, and keep all my commandments always. Why? Well, that's because I've told them that's what they're to do. Yes, but here's some of the blessings, some of the rewards. That it might be well with them and with their children. And with their children forever. Right? So, again... As a parent, as a parent, verses like that can just strike you to the heart. Because what's the inference here? That if they don't have the heart to obey, what? Well... It, it, it won't be well with their children. That's not to limit the grace of God. But it's why we, as parents, we pray and we strive to obey. And as parents, once the children are grown, you still pray and strive to obey and you pray for them now, with their children, that they appreciate and understand their obligation. Right? Some of what we've listened to and heard about over these past weeks um, wrapped up in, in these verses. And the heart, to have the heart, to obey, to obey what? What's he just rehearsed? 
the Ten Commandments, the moral law. Okay? Now, look at chapter 6, uh, and we'll pick up with verse 4, uh, 4 and 5 to start with. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, these words are going to be very familiar to you. We're going to see them again in just a minute. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Right? Now, he doesn't say, Hear, O Israel, you're to obey every commandment, every word that I've just given to you. You are to love the Lord your God with everything you're made of. Body, soul, spirit, everything. You love God. And then in verse 17, you shall diligently, how do you do this? You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. So he's tying loving God with keeping the law. Right? It's one and the same. If he, what, is, what do we know in John? Uh, the, the little uh, first John. If you love me, you'll do what? You'll keep my commandments. Again, the same thing we have in the Old Testament. You love me with all your being. The New Testament, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And the loving is the same way with your whole being. All right? There is a consuming, as it were, a, a, a consuming desire. Unfortunately, we aren't able. But it's not an excuse. Uh, it's part of that law revealing to us our continual need for more sanctification. Right? But that being consumed, that, that desire to love the Lord and to keep his commandments. Right? Now, let's go to the New Testament. Matthew 22. And just remember what you just read there in Deuteronomy. Go to Matthew 22, and again, verse is very familiar. Uh, 22. Uh, 36 through 40. And, and we have the, the, the young man that comes and asks the Lord, how, you know, what, what's the law? What, what do I need to do? Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. It's exactly what we just read in Deuteronomy. Standard hasn't changed. No difference in the Old Testament and the New. There's no difference in this day of grace. God says you're to do these. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, 
Look at 40. What does 40 say? On these two commandments, the two we just talked about, loving God, loving your neighbor, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Okay? They're, they're together. You can't do one without the other. And just to tie that together in loving how, how we are to love, and, and the question comes, so, so what does this love look like? How do we, how do we love God and our neighbor? Well, look, go to Romans uh, chapter 13. Kind of interesting. Some of y'all probably known this, but 1 Corinthians 13, obviously the chapter about love. Well, Romans 13 is a chapter about love too. So you can remember those together. Romans 13, and look at verses 8 through 10. And he's talked about obligations here in the earlier verses. He gets down to verse 8 and says, uh, Paul says, Owe no man anything but to, what? Love one another. Love one another. And that's what you'll hear today. A lot of talk about loving one another. Uh, we're, we're under grace. It's love. Love, love. Love, and it is. I'm not disparaging it. I'm not making light of it. But what the problem is, is what do we mean? How do you love? What does it look like? You, you can say, I love you, but it's got to look like something. Otherwise, <laughs> the person you're talking to is not going to believe you, are they? So what does it look like? Well, Romans 13. Love one another, for he that loveth another hath done what? Fulfilled the law. What law? The moral law. Right? Has fulfilled. For this, now look at it. Here's, here he's telling them. What law? For this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Which commandment? Seven. Thou shalt not kill. Number six. Thou shalt not steal. Number eight. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Number nine. Thou shalt not covet. Number ten. The only one dealing with man that he hadn't listed is number five. Right? And five is in all, all those. You can't do the other ones if you're not doing number five. And, and he picks those up. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, here's what love looks like. Love is the fulfilling of the law. So the question is, what does it look like? Keeping the moral law. Where's the moral law summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments? All right? Now let me ask you this. 
if you do not know, if you do not understand, if you do not keep the Ten Commandments, is it possible in this day and age to love God and to love your neighbor as you ought? No. And, and Paul's just told us that. If you love them, you're going to fulfill the law because it's the only way you can love them because of the old sinfulness of the heart that promotes self. Right? It's the only way you love God is to keep the commandments. To keep the commandments. So what role? What role does do, do the Ten Commandments play in our life in this day and age? Is there a place for them? What do you think? Is there a place to consider the law? Sure. So, so can, can you maybe help me understand why are so many people repulsed by talking about the law? Why are so many Christians, you know, the unbeliever, I can understand why they'd be repulsed in part, is condemning them. But why are believers? What, what? What is it? Is it? What do you think? What do you think most people consider? And we're going to look at this probably next week now with the way it's going. What do you think most people think about the Ten Commandments? Uh, when, when you talk about the Ten Commandments, and, and you know, I don't, I don't think this is not to be condemning because I suspect a lot of us may have been in the same place somewhere along the way. But Jonathan? Okay, it's Old Testament, and we've, we've seen this morning Christ himself, the second person of the Godhead that gave the law, says it's one and the same. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body. Right? Christ himself validates it. Paul under the inspiration of the third person of the Godhead, tells us what that looks like, doesn't he? All right? So it's, it's all inner. But, okay, Old Testament, New Testament. Covenant of works, covenant of grace. They want to, well, law is covenant of works. 
and Christ did away with that covenant. No, he did not. No way did Christ do away with the covenant of works. It is still very much in force. Christ fulfilled the law and then paid the penalty for our failure to fulfill the law. And if it didn't apply, then why can't we sin that grace may more abound? Okay. Now, next week, I want to pick up uh, in, in our review here because I, it's, it's very important. 398, the stuff we looked at at the very beginning um, is to review these questions, the rules to be observed for the right understanding of the Ten Commandments. And it's important because it helps appreciate, and again, it'll be... Uh, Repetition for most of us, I think, maybe for all of us, but it never hurts. Never hurts to be reminded, does it? The table behind me is a proof of that. Never hurts to be reminded. And what is it we're being reminded of? Our duties. How is it we love God? How is it we love one another? Well, the Ten Commandments help us. When we talk about the Ten Commandments, the moral law being summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments, what, because again, this is another thing I think happens with the Ten Commandments. Everybody wants to, as it were, restrict the Ten Commandments, don't they, to just those words that are right there. We're not to kill. Okay, I didn't shoot anybody. Fulfill that one. I didn't kill anybody. And we saw... When we consider the Sixth Commandment, we speak a, an unkind word that hurts their soul, causes them anxiety. Maybe you just killed part of their life. Summarily comprehended obviously means there's a lot more there. If it's summarily comprehended, there's more than just the words as they were, the ten words. He's condensed it. But you've got to then open it back up with the rest of God's word and expand it back out to see what the requirements are. And that takes diligence. And hopefully, what you have with you, the notebooks, the questions, the answers, the proof text, help you do that. That's what they're for. That's why I'm going through this, is just to open that beautiful flower all the way up so that we can understand all of it. See it, use it, and know the Word of God and the Ten Commandments to be the friend that we need. The Holy Spirit using it to conform us to the image of Christ.
Isn't that what the covenant of grace is all about? In God's sight, we're robed in Christ's righteousness. As it were, we're conformed to his image as God looks upon us. But in our life, we want to be conformed in the way people see us and have to deal with us. Right? Well, let's pray, and we'll pick up with that next week, and then we'll get into, we're on uh, Commandment 8. So that's where we're, we're getting to, but I've got a couple more things that I want to mention before we, uh, before we crank back up and get back into the commandments. And again, if you don't have the materials, there's, there are more out there. And um, I'll get some more notebooks and make sure you've got them. Because if you don't have it, it, being in here and for those that join us online, if you want it, just let, let us know. Contact the church and I'll get it mailed to you. Uh, because if you don't have it, it's hard to follow. I mean, you can go back and study. You've got the Ten Commandments. You've got God's Word. So, But let's have a word of prayer. Father, again... How grateful we are that you've given to us the word of God. Lord, you spoke face to face with the children of Israel in giving them the commandments. And now you've spoken, as it were, face to face with us through your word, by your spirit. Lord, help us to study, help us to know, help us to understand what duties you require of us. Lord, help us then to love thee and to love our neighbor as you would have us to do. Bless us now as we go from this time and even between prepare our hearts for the time of worship we pray. For we ask it in Christ's name, amen.